So we began a series, The Choice is Yours. Each of us have a choice to make. In this series, we're realizing that we have a choice not to do something. This choice we're talking about today will impact all of us. And at some point, you'll face this decision if you haven't, when you walked into this room, if you haven't this week, or maybe you're in the midst of facing this decision. We have an opportunity in our lives to say no to this. And in relationships, in the workplace, in sport teams, in recreational rooms, in families, in friendships. We have a chance to tell others and show others, and we can choose not to please people. It's a challenging one, because we are wired in such a way that we want others to think highly of us. We want others to like us. We want to live in a world where everyone likes us, wants to accept us, and yet the reality is we can choose and we should choose not to please people, but please God. So today you're going to have a chance, and I'm going to have a chance again, and you're going to have a chance this week, and you're going to have a chance to consider maybe you are living in the midst of a relationship. Maybe right now you are locked up and you are in the box of control by another person because you refuse. You refuse to walk away. and You have been living in a way that you are just pleasing them. Now, Scripture is loaded that we're supposed to honor people, we're supposed to love people, we're supposed to serve people, and so there is this sense that we are supposed to to live in such a way that we love people and we affirm people and we live in community. Yet it can also go south very quickly. And this desire, this yearning in us, this cause and effect thing that we've had in our lives began a long time ago. It began when you were a child, and some of you are still children, but it began for many of us were children a long time ago, and it began when that that child-parent relationship, and it went something like this. If you were a child, you sat at the table, you wanted to please your parents, and so it's supper time, and there's that plate in front of you, and they might have said something to you like I had said to me, you need, you can't leave the table until you clean and eat everything on your plate. And so you ate and you ate because you wanted to please your parents. And you've heard like I did that you needed all your food because there's people starving in Africa. And I remember, you know, I remember going through that too. And I remember the flesh in me just say, well, then just ship the food to them. Just, just send it to them. So we have this cause and effect because we want to honor our parents. We want to please them. And so we live in such a way that we do these things. You, your parents tell you, if you get good grades, then I will this for you. And so wanting to honor your parents, wanting to please your parents, you work hard and you, you get these grades because you know there's a reward at the end of this. Somehow, if you do this, it pleases them. You make your bed, they, they, they do something for you. You, you. you do your chores, it pleases them. And it happens, and then you grow up, and it happens in other relationships. And, and somewhere along the line, it starts to get tilted, and it starts to turn south. Not that it's intrinsically wrong to serve and, and please, but if you're only doing it for them and you're not pleasing God, it goes south. And then you get married, and, and husbands, they'll, they'll, they'll do, do the dishes, they'll, they'll, they'll clean the house, they'll wash the wife's car, do all these things, wanting to please her so that that night you get a reward for it. And it just continues. And yet, it goes south when the child who wants to be accepted and wants to be liked does something that their parents don't want them to do. They do this so that they can be accepted by their boyfriend. They sleep with their boyfriend. They sleep overnight with their boyfriend because they're fearful that he might leave them. And so they please their boyfriend or their girlfriend instead of, pleasing God. You have politicians, you could be a preacher, you could be a boss, you could be a coach, and you could side with someone to gain a follower, to support her. Someone will vote for you. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll say that, I'll do that, I'll, I'll, that's what I'll declare so that you can get support. And so you end up, before you know it, drawing these people and pleasing these people so that you can get what you want. And is it what God wants? Today we'll see an individual that God set him up 
God put the anointing on his life. God put him in a place of position and leadership. God said, you are the man to lead my people. I have I've given you the ability, the, skips, the gifts, skills, and abilities, and talents. You're going to lead my nation. I'm going to empower you because it's God who empowers. It's God who takes the power away. And he set this person up, this man up, and this man had a choice. He was going in a good direction. He was walking that straight and narrow, and then he had a choice. Here's that choice. Will he please people or will he please God? And this one decision completely derailed his leadership. Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to take a look at a man by the name of Saul. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand, but turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 1 to 15. So when you find that, stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. 1 Samuel 15 and verses 1 to 15. We'll read it out loud together. Keep in mind, here's a man that started out well, and he had a choice to make. Would he please God, or would he please man? Let's read this, verses 1 to 15, together out loud. Ready, read. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel. When they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys, everything. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Talim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agai, king of Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instruction. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. Well, he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Then Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. You may have a seat. Starts out good. Starts out real good. Word of the Lord comes to Samuel. He says, Saul, I need you to go and destroy the Amalekites. And God had set him up. He grabs 200 foot, 100,000 foot soldiers, another 10,000 from Judah. He starts this mission and he does what God wants him to. He destroys the Amalekites. It starts out good. Let me begin by saying this before we go anywhere else. God's approval matters the most. So in every decision that you and I have to make, remember, it's not man's opinion that matters most. It's what God values and his opinion matters the most. Many of us have read Proverbs numerous times, hundreds of times. And there's a proverb that has stuck with me through the years. And it says this, just listen to this. Proverbs 29, 25. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Another version says this. Listen how they say it. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Fear of man, the approval of man, will prove to be a snare. So he's saying this. If you're out to please man, be careful, it's a snare. You can only be kept safe when you trust in God. The fear of man causes many of us to be trapped. And once you're trapped, guess what happens? You're controlled by someone else. 
and you make decisions that got you where they want you. They got you trapped. And you're fearful of making another decision because you're afraid that somehow you'll lose them. As a young boy, 11, 12, 13 years old, my grandfather would come and spend a lot of winters outside with us, sled riding, hunting. I grew up hunting and, 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 and still do. We would kill rabbits and pheasants and quails and deer, and, and we would eat that meat, and it, it supplied a great resource for our family for food. And so I spent the majority of my childhood, and I still do as an, an adult, hunting and eating venison. And, and so we, we killed animals to eat them because they gave us nutrition and protein. And my grandfather, when I was 11 or 12, 13 years old, he was retired and he would often come by our house out in the country. And he showed this ability to to capture animals like I had never seen. He taught us how to make snares. And so my grandfather would show us that if you take a, a sapling tree and put a string on it, and then you would bait it in a certain way, you could catch rabbits. And so my grandfather showed us that, that there were saplings out there. And then he told us that, I'll show you what he would do. He would, he would, encourage us to take some string. And so I would walk with my pap-pap and we would walk out and through the woods and all over this woods, we would find these young saplings. And the next thing that we would do is that we would take a string and tie to this sapling. We were trying to make and create a snare. And so we had them all over our property. And so we would go look for a young sapling and then we would take this young snap sapling and bend it over and at the end of this string we would put bait and this bait was connected to another piece of wood that was forked and we would put an apple on it and so what would happen you would get close to a rabbit trail and rabbit come up and sniff it and it would nibble on this apple and before you knew it the snare was set and the rabbit was caught we would catch 20 30 rabbits in the winter And so all of our property were these snares. They were set to catch rabbits. Solomon says in this Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. He says this, in other words, the opinion of others, they set these snares in your life. They say, hey, if you do this, do what I want. It's set. And what happens is if we take the bait and we try to please them, the snare is set and it traps us. And the Proverbs is saying this. Many of the people who call themselves Christ followers get caught in the trap. And you know what happens when you get caught in a trap? You are controlled by the other person. You're thinking that you're pleasing them, but ultimately they control you. You can't get out because if you leave, then you're not having their approval. And so all over our world are these Christians. The snare has been set. Will I please man or will I please God? And it's the fear of man. It's the fear that I'll lose that friendship. It's the fear that, that, that I won't be accepted. And Solomon says, be very careful for the snares that are out there wanting to catch you. And so we walk through life. God speaks to us like he spoke to Saul. I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites. Everything, all the sheep all the cattle. Don't bring anything home. And so he heard a word from the Lord, but what we're going to see, another word came from men and they tried to set a snare. Will he please man or will he please God? It starts out really good. Look at this account again. Look at chapter 15. Look at verse three. Look how good it starts out. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not what? What's the word? Spare them. Put to what, men and women? What does it say? Death. Children and infants. Cattle and what? Camels and what? Everything. So verse 4, look what it says. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telim. 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. 
Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites, so I do not destroy you along with them, for you show kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. God said, destroy the Amalekites, not the Kenites. So the Kenites moved away. He summons his army. He has all the pieces. He's pleasing God, isn't he? He's starting out. He's getting the foot soldiers. He's bringing them in. 210,000 take off. They get down in this ravine. They set a trap. They're going to get the Amalekites. Everything's going good. Why? Because he's doing what God wants. But then something goes south with Saul. Look at verse 7. Look what happens next. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agai, king of the Amalekites, alive. Wait, wait a minute. God didn't say take him alive. He said wipe everybody out. And all his people, he totally strove the sword. And look, oh no, look at this conjunction. It's going to go south with this conjunction. Verse 9. But Saul and the army did what with Agag? Spared. And the best of the sheep and what? And the fat what? And the what? And everything that was what? These they were what? What's it say? Unwilling to destroy what? Completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Wait a minute. Didn't God say, wipe out everything? Didn't God say, kill all the cattle? Didn't God say, wipe out all the animals? It says, but they were unwilling. Why? Because they said, we can't kill the good stuff. These are good animals. Here's what I believe happened. They were attacking, and they were killing, and they were wiping out. And all of a sudden, there was someone in his army that said, wow, that's a good T-bone. Wow, we could eat those lamb chops. Wow, we could sacrifice these unblemished animals instead of sacrificing ours. We could take all this good. Now, go ahead and wipe out the crippled animals. Kill the despised one. Someone in the camp said, are we sure we heard from the Lord? And it took one man. And he'd probably grab another man and say, hey, don't kill them. Listen, that's good. We'll take them with us. We'll have a meal. You know what happened? All of a sudden, this one man became two men and three men. And Saul was feeling good about this attack. And one man stood up and said, hey, Saul, Saul, listen. We killed them all except for these good ones. Listen, are you okay if we just bring a couple home with us? Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll have some, 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 some steaks tonight and celebrate the victory. Saul had a choice to make, didn't he? Will he please his soldiers? Will he please God? He did the same thing most of us do. We rationalize. Oh, that's not so bad, is it? I mean, we did what God said we should do. And so he had a choice. Would, would, and so he had a choice. If he doesn't, please. And maybe it was a hundred. Maybe it was a thousand. Maybe it was ten. Maybe it was a, a general. Maybe, maybe it was a commander. We don't know who it was. But he had a choice to make. And his thought, thought was, the fear of man is a snare. Someone in the camp did what? They set a snare. Someone in the camp said, did God really say that? Hey, we could keep a few, couldn't we? And Saul has a decision to make. Would he take the bait? Would the fear of man leaving his army keep him from doing what God wanted him to do? You know, I look at this account and and I think this. If you and I aren't willing to stand for what God wants, these traps will be released and lock us down everywhere. Stop and picture this. It's an everyday encounter for us. Some of you are facing one right now and you're realizing, man, I took the bait. This is what God told me to do. This was the word from the Lord. But I didn't want to lose that friendship. They're so good. They're great neighbors. I didn't want to lose that job. He's such a good boss. I, 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 I didn't want to lose her. It's like, it's the first girl that really, really was, made my heart. I 
You see, here's what I know is true. When God is big in your life, people have less power in your life. You see, when that snare comes and that voice comes from someone, God's power is bigger than this person with that voice. And even if it means you lose this friendship because you follow God, so be it. How many of you right now are snared or trapped? You're locked in. It's like you're trying to please this person. It's like just day after day trying to please this person, please this person, please this person because of fear that somehow if you don't stop pleasing this person, you will lose this person. Saul could have said no. Saul could have stood for Jesus in the word from Samuel, but he wanted to please those near him because the trap had caught him and he took the bait. Here's what I know to be true, and you know this too. Some of us would rather offend God than offend man. And here's how it plays out. We could win the popular vote and lose miserably before God. Seriously, think about that truth. You might win the approval of man when you stand, but when you stand before God, that temporary decision to follow man, when you stand before God and give account of your life, listen, it will be worth it to stand by yourself even if you stand alone for Jesus when no one else does because you give an account of your life one day and he can say to you, well done. I'm challenged by this story, and hopefully you are too, because Saul was a leader, and all of us lead, we're moms, we're dads, we're, we're coaches, we're teachers, we're husbands, we're wives, we're, we're students. Saul was a leader that was brought to a position by God. God raised him up. God anointed him. God gave him the ability, because God thought he was capable of leading his country, God would never place him in that position if he didn't think he was capable of doing it. And now this one decision will wreck his leadership. This one moment of weakness of seeking the applause of man over the applause of God. He's about to lose everything because of a popularity contest because he couldn't say no to someone in the army. Because maybe he thought what you and I think. Boy, if I lose that soldier, he's one of my best. Like, he served me. I mean, he works overtime. He, he goes to the front line. He's a great leader of people. Look what he's able to do. Look what he's done. If I don't uh, please him, I might lose him. And so Saul makes one decision that will wreck his leadership forever. He's about to lose everything. But please hear me today. Please know this to be true. If everyone likes you, it means you stand for nothing. Now think about it. If everyone likes you, it means you stand for nothing. Hey, do you root for Notre Dame? Yeah, I root for Notre Do you root for Indiana? Yeah. Do you root for Iowa? Yeah. Do you root for Maryland? Probably not. But do you, just, just move on. But if you like... Like, we don't even know who we, who we, like, you just do it, yeah, yeah, I'll follow you. Do you like cheese? Yeah, I like cheese. Do you like milk? Yeah, I like milk. Do you like Pepsi? Yeah, I like Pepsi. Do you just, you know, can you make a decision? No, you just stand, just jump so you can have followers. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Listen, if you're not willing to stand for, for anything important, then you might as well not stand at all. And if everyone likes you, let me tell you something. It means you stand for nothing. You know, I hear people say this, like, one of my goals in life is to have everyone like me. Oh, please, don't, don't, don't go there. Seriously, why do that? It means you stand for nothing. Look what he says. I mean, look at, look at Samuel. He's, he's, he has to give this word to Saul, and he's distraught. Look at verse 10. Look what he says. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Look at the word is, I regret that I have made who? Saul what? King. Because he has turned away from me and has not carried out 
my instruction. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. I regret that I made Saul the king. Pleasing people over God can lead to the sin. And listen to me, this temporary decision affects eternity. Paul tried to cover this in the New Testament. He took this, this truth in the Old Testament, and when Paul walked on earth, he said this. Listen, listen, listen to this, Paul. This is from his own handwriting, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people, Paul said. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Peer pressure and pleasing people has trapped many good men of God. Just think in the Bible, just just do a quick, think about Peter. Peter following Jesus, one of the 12. He says, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus, I'm with you. I'll be with you to the end. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to die for you. So he's following Jesus right before Jesus gets ready to go to the crucifixion. It says he's following behind. He's warming his hands by the fire. And Lily and Ellie come out and ask him, are you a Christ follower? No, no, no. I'm not just warming my hands. Someone else comes along and says, didn't I see you? Oh, no, you saw somebody else. Dude, dude, are you one of, of, of his? No, 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 no. Why? Because the fear of man set a trap. And he was afraid of man. And he wanted to please man instead of God. Just look in the Bible. Think about Pilate. What was Pilate's role in Jesus' life? Jesus came before Pilate to be tried before Pilate. Pilate had a decision to make. He could have released Jesus. He heard the evidence. He heard the story. And he comes away from that and he says, I don't find any way that we should find this man guilty. He should be innocent. And then he pulled away and there's this account where his wife comes to him. He says, Pilate, listen, I had a dream last night. Listen, listen to me. Don't find him guilty. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. So what's he do? He walks out and they start yelling, Barabbas, Barabbas. In the back of his mind, he's thinking, he's not guilty. He's not guilty. He's not guilty. He's not guilty. But guess what? The trap was set. The people said, he's guilty. He's guilty. Crucify him. And what did Pilate do? He wanted to please the people. Why? Because they would vote for him. And what did he do? He walks over, washes his hands, and he blames it on the people. It's because of them. How about Joseph's brothers? Think about Joseph's life. You want to see another example? They're, 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 they, they don't like him, and they're jealous because he's got Under Armour jacket on. They don't have one. And it's like, come on, he gets the good stuff. We, got, we get the McGregor from, from Kmart. Come on. They're jealous, and one brother tries to stand up on his own feet for a little. Reuben says, why, why, he's, he's our bro. It's Joey. Don't do anything to Joey. Like almost, like if he just had two more brothers, might have, it might not have went south. And, but even him after a while, it's like 11 to 1. All right, I guess I'll have one against me in 11. And so he makes a choice and he wants to win the approval of his brothers. I wonder whose approval you're still seeking today. I wonder where you took the bait. You see, peer pressure will cause you to sin. You don't want to leave your boyfriend and you don't want him to leave so you sleep with him and you fool around in ways that you shouldn't be. Listen, listen to me, ladies. If you've got a husband like that or a boyfriend like that, you need to pull away from him and say, if you want us to continue on, then you need to leave me like a godly man would leave me. You want that job, so you fudge on the financial report for your boss. And you know integrity says, no, 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 no. You want to make the team at school, so you follow the crowd and do what they want. 
You like being the leader of your ministry, so you let the voice of the money and of supporters change your mind instead of pleasing God. You are fearful of what someone will say, so you don't share your faith. The fear of man sets a trap, a snare. You want to belong to a group, so you do something, anything, just to be accepted. You would rather follow the crowd and be accepted than stand with the few for Jesus. And here's what happens to us. And we even know this. Like we, we, we're church people. We were, we're born again. We even know that we know God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. But it becomes, we know God loves us and we let everyone else plan our lives. Jesus had something to say about this. Listen to me, Grace. Jesus was pretty strong on this. He's preaching and Jesus is out preaching. He's just, he's offending all kinds of people. Just telling them the truth. They didn't like him calling them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs. And then he says this in Luke 6, 26. He says, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Hmm. I don't have a problem with that, by the way. But woe to you. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Why? Because it means you stand for nothing. Woe to you if somehow your goal in life is to have everyone like you. Woe to you. The only time everyone speaks well of you, you know when it is? It's at your funeral. Like, have you ever been to a funeral when anybody said something bad about somebody? <laughs> Let me just speak from a personal perspective. So you know that how it affects and impacts me as a person. It hurts when I have to say no to people. <laughs> It hurts when you have to look at someone that you've had a relationship with and say, I've sought God. We've sought God as a leadership team. And we believe this is what God wants us to do. It hurts when you look at someone who wants you to do what they want you to do. And you say, I just can't because I want to follow God and not the voice of man. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have been in tears over people. I've had many people through the years come and try to sway me with their approval. I've had people say they will stop giving unless I do it this way. I've had people tell me how I should raise our kids, that you shouldn't have your kids doing that. They shouldn't be part of that. There's no way they should be this and that just because you're the pastor. They should be doing this. I've had them come in and sit with me and say, no, you don't raise your kids that way. I've had people try to place guilt trips on me. And we have had to make some very hard decisions, even if they weren't popular. And the sad part, it hurt the relationship. But listen to me. We are here to please God and not man. There's many times I walk away from those kind of encounters just in tears and praying to God and saying, Lord, am I hearing from you and talking with Anne? And, but many times I walk away just for peace for me and I say this, woe to you, Jim, if everyone speaks well of you. Because you know why? Jesus in this same sermon said this, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of their righteousness. See, you might be a people pleaser if these things are true. So ask yourself, do I do this? Am I there? You might be a people pleaser if sometimes you don't speak up for fear of creating tension in a relationship. You might be a people pleaser if you say yes when someone asks you to do something but later regret saying yes to that. You might be a people pleaser if in meetings you wait until the very end to express your view primarily so that you can adjust your view to avoid potential conflict. You might be a people pleaser if you go out of your way to persuade someone who's thinking of leaving your business, your church, your team, because you want them to benefit you. 
You might be a people pleaser if you try to convince someone to agree with your view on an issue, even when it appears he or she really doesn't want your opinion. You might be a people pleaser if sometimes you get angry at yourself for not having spoken up for what you believe. You might be a people pleaser if you have low-performing staff person or volunteer leader too long on your staff before making a change. You might be a people pleaser when you need to be firm with someone, but you delay the conversation because what? The fear of man sets a snare. You might be a people pleaser if you try too hard to be nice with everybody. You might be a people pleaser when you carefully measure your words with someone. You might be a people pleaser if deep down inside you believe you can get most everyone to like you and that's your goal in life. You might be a people pleaser if people bother you when, and upset you and, and because of your view and you get distressed over that. You might be a people pleaser if you tread lightly around some people because of their moodiness. You might be a people pleaser if you have to justify your decisions when others call them into question. And lastly, you might be a people pleaser if you feel guilty when you do something for your own pleasure and you're more concerned about what other people will think. It's when you go to Florida on spring break when it's 30 degrees back home. (laughs) And you can choose not to be offended by that. (laughs) Saul was a people pleaser. God had set him up to rule and lead the nation of Israel. And yet someone in the camp says, Saul, 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 that's good beef. Look at those lamb chops. And he refused to please God. And he chose to please his men. Why? Because the fear of man sets a snare. Look what happens. Pleasing man instead of God will ultimately derail your life. Look at verse 12. Early in the morning, after all this took place, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel, Indiana. There, he set up a monument. See if you're with me. There, he set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Picture this. He was so excited. He thought he did everything right. Isn't that what we do? Well, it was just a little fudging. I mean, it wasn't much, was it, God? We, we wiped out all the amount. We just kept the king, and we kept a couple cattle, and we kept a couple sheep, and we did a few, and he went and built, he built a monument. Like, look what God has done. He wanted to come back to this mind. He said, I did good. We did, we did good. We did really good. Look what he says next. He says this in verse 3. When Samuel reached him, Saul even said, look, he saw him coming like, hey, Sam, come, hey, Sammy, look, what, look, look. He said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's what? What's it saying, 13? Instruction. Then what, 14, but Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear. In other words, he's standing there saying, if you did everything, what's that? Mm. What's that? Bah, bah. Like, if you killed everything, what is? Mm. Can you picture him standing there? And Saul's like, I don't know. God told you to destroy everything. He told you to kill the king, the Amalekites, the lamb chops, the T-bones, everything, the unblemished. Can you see what's happening here? Samuel is broken over this. Look what happens. Look what happens next. Verse 15, Saul answered. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekite. He passes the blame just like Adam. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. But we told you the story, the rest. 
Samuel said to Saul, enough! Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, you did not become the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them what? Out. Verse 19, Samuel says, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you not please God? Why did you pounce on the, on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag the king. The soldier, the soldiers, the devil made me do it. Took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in what the Lord? Obeying the Lord. To obey is better than what? Sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has what? Rejected you as king. You see, you must stand for Jesus even if you stand alone. Saul had a choice to make. I'm saying it wasn't challenging because it was probably some of his best men. And they set the snare. And basically they were saying, hey, we're leaving you. If you don't do what we want, we're leaving. Hey, you're gonna, you need me. You need me. I'm good at what I do. And so Saul trusted in man more that he trusted in God. How are you doing that? Like, can you think of someone right now that you're tiptoeing in? Can you think right now that someone has you in their snare and you are doing what they want so that you don't lose them? Often the people, this is what I found in 54 years of life, often the people we try to please the most are selfish and don't want what is best for the whole. I've sat with people. They come and they want what they want. And they tell me why they want what they want. They want it because they want it, not because it's the best for everybody. Selfishness is a sin. Look what happens to Saul next. Look on here. I mean, verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violate the Lord's command. And look what he says. Look, look, look careful. These are his words. I violate the Lord's command and your instruction. I was what of the men? Afraid of the men. And so I what into them? Gave. One translation says, I cared more about pleasing man. So I let them tell me what to do. He was afraid. He wanted to please them instead of pleasing God. And there began the saddest news that you can read about King Saul. Look what it says. So verse 25, now I beg you, please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. He's trying to work his way back. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Now, you know what's really sad about this? Some of these decisions, we think they're so huge, like, because we value temporary over eternal decisions. We would rather please man than be willing to give an account of God at the end of times because we can't see God, but we can see that face of that person that we're disappointing we can see the tears running down their face. We, we can see that, that we'll never see them again and we can touch them and, and we, we've spent time with them and we think that somehow because this relationship's going to be different and we're not going to spend like 10 more years on earth with them, like somehow this 10 years on earth is better than an eternity with God. 
And so we make these decisions. We think they're like life-changing. Think back when you were in high school. Seriously, think back when you were in high school. Those decisions you had to make, you thought the end of the world was going to happen if you couldn't get what you want. Think back. Think, think, some of us have to think, wait, think back like, 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 like during the prom. Like, oh, I hope she says yes. Like you would lose sleep on me. And if I could just go with her, I would be so cool. And you, you like you begged, you were willing, you went out and bought the dress and 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 the, and the suit, and so you could be with them. And it's like you did, and you thought, man, I finally got them. How many of you still got them? Or how many of you like 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 oh this test, this overwhelming test? Like I need to pass this test because man, he gets A's, and if I don't get A's, he, he won't think I'm cool. And how many of you, like, like, think back for dress, how many, how many of you ladies looking back, like, maybe you, 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 you were the girl your parents didn't let you wear certain, and you wanted those shorts, and you were so mad at your parents because they didn't let you wear those shorts. And you could be cool. They felt like it felt like the end of the world, didn't it? Just temporary. Like, here's stats. You know how many friendships you still carry on from high school that are significant? One. One friendship. And so now you have these teens that, that think the end of the world. Do you remember like square dancing? Like, oh, I want to dance with her. Like, one, two, three, four, five. You line girls and guys on one side. Like, and they get stuck with you. Like, you thought your world was done. Like, seriously, can you think about the stuff we would lose sleep over? Why? To be accepted. Let me ask you, do you even think about that now until I just brought it up? <laughs> it's the saddest news of any leader. A God follower, Yahweh follower, Christ follower could ever hear. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as the leader of his people. Saul's fall began when he chose to please people instead of pleasing God. Here's some truths from this account today. Now listen, this, this is realities from this account. Being a people pleaser will affect your ability to make good decisions. Because you know what you do? You keep trying to stand what everybody wants. You want to be popular and you don't want any enemies. You want everybody to like you. But woe to the man that everyone speaks highly of. That's what the Lord said. What else can we learn? Being a people pleaser can make people uncomfortable around you. It's like you get worn out. It's like, man, I got to please them, got to please them, got to please them, got to please them. Like, and you end up pulling away. Being a people pleaser will wear you out. You just, you're worn out trying to make everyone like you. I hope she likes me. I know, man. It might leave you with a few less followers when you follow God and friends. Yet the one friend that matters the most, Jesus, will be pleased. Pleasing God over man will build healthier teams because it's spirit-led and not popular opinion-led. Pleasing God over man will bring eternal peace even though you had to say the hard no's. You can go to bed at night, maybe sometimes even in tears, but you rest good because you know you listen to God. Pleasing God and not pleasing man means it will decrease anxiety in your life. You're not worried about what Becca, Bob, and Bertha think. Pleasing God and not pleasing man will keep your fire and passion hot for Jesus Christ. You show me someone's passion that's, and that's hot for Jesus Christ, I'll show you a God pleaser and not a man pleaser. Pleasing God and not pleasing man will help you bear lasting fruit that will reveal itself at the Bema seat and that's when it matters the most. So let me ask you, where's the snare been set? Have you taken the bait? How many of you right now are trapped because of the fear 
of man and what they might think if you do what God wants and not them. Oh, Lord, help us today. All across this room and across the link and across the internet are people who are trapped and controlled by others because they want to please them. And God, all of us have had the snare has been set and we have a choice to make. Oh, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would go to the corners of our hearts where we did what Saul did and we, we took the bait, we, we chomped. And now we're controlled by someone else and we're in their world, in their box. And I pray that we would repent and, and turn from our ways. I pray, God, that you tell us, like Paul told Timothy, young Timothy, he said, Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear or intimidation, but one of power, a sound mind and self-discipline. Like, God, you gave us the spirit that we can say no that we can stand and not be intimidated and walk in fear. I don't know where you're at today, but if your mission in life is to be liked by everyone, woe to you if everyone speaks highly of you. So God, I'm sure we have some work to do. Some of us are in relationships. We're fearful, like... We're doing things and we're letting him do things to us and her do things to us. And we've broken the line of obedience. And you tell us obedience is better than sacrifice. We call ourselves Christ followers and, and we're more interested in pleasing man than we are you, God. Lord, many of us, majority of us in this room, in the link, and around the world have, we say, we trust in you. We, we commit our lives. We surrender. We walk the straight and narrow. Yet our lives don't match up. We keep taking the bait. And the fear of man disables us. The fear of man and his opinion will trap us. Well, Lord... I pray that we would be the people who once we decide to follow you, there's no turning back. None. I pray, God, that we would take on the spirit of boldness and courageousness and that we would live the way you intended us to live. I pray that we would cut the nooses around our neck this week. I pray we would walk by the snares and the traps that have been set. And I pray that ultimately, God, we would just listen to you and follow you. May we never turn back, God. We've decided to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.